This life-changing message comes to you from Church of the Harvest. It's our prayer that this message will inspire your life and bring hope to your future. Again, if um, I, I just want to welcome everybody. Thank you for being here. Thank you for being at Church of the Harvest this morning. Um, we, as I always say, we're a family of Christ followers, and, and we've just simply recognized that, that the Lord has brought us together, and we're stronger together than we are individually. And so because of that, uh, we, cho- we choose to, to link arms as this church family and, and to accomplish God's purposes in the earth together. And, and, and we meet in our community in small groups throughout the week, but we still have Sundays when our, our community groups all come together to, uh, to celebrate and worship the Lord corporately. Um, as I always say, guys, we're just a small expression of the body of Christ. Really, here at Church of the Harvest, we're just we're another small group in the body of Christ meeting together, and um, and and we love God, and because we love Him, we want to be just like Him. He's our Father, right? We want to be just like our, our Father God, and 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 He loves people, and so we choose to love people, and, and we choose to to serve the world as the hands and feet of Jesus. I know we say it every week, but guys, let's say it again. If you're part of the Harvest family, what is our vision? It is to make, grow, and equip followers of Jesus to fulfill their God-given purpose in life. And we do that through community, discipleship, and outreach. That is why we are here. That's why we gather together. So guys, we just came out. Hey, we've done so much. Uh, what, a, what a summer it has been. What a summer. Uh, but we really just concluded our last major series was a relationship series. And kind of in combination with that, um, uh, Dad did a series on faith and, and such in the midst of that. But um, guys, I've, I've been feeling led a new direction for the last couple of months and I've shared this with a few of you, but I've been feeling this urgency to begin to cultivate and foster a deeper culture of worship within our church family. And I'll tell you honestly, I, I, I know I've, I've, I've been a bit of a crybaby here for a while. This is probably going to be hard to get through because this has been so heavy on my heart here lately. Um, I'm excited. We're starting this new series, and I'm calling it A Life of Worship. Everybody say A Life of Worship. Many Christ followers, guys, I'm convinced, many, if not most Christ followers, don't get worship. They don't understand what worship is. Many today believe that worship is a 15, 20, 30-minute period during a church service where we sing a couple of fast songs and a couple of slow songs. And while arguably that's worship, it's the smallest facet of worship, guys. It's like this much of it. Worship encompasses so much more than that. However, I will say, it is important that we come together and worship corporately. Amen? And that does look like different things. It's not just singing some songs. It's not just lifting our hands to the Lord. It's also giving. It's also dedicating our children. It's also praying together. It's also getting into the Word of God together. All of these are expressions of our worship to the Lord. But our expressions of worship extend far beyond these four walls. Again, all of those expressions of worship that we do within these four walls, again, should be a very small facet of our worship. The smallest facet of our worship to him. In the New Testament, we see worship really mentioned for the first time in Matthew chapter 2. And, and this is where I'm going to be for a few minutes. So if you want to, um, actually, I'm, uh, I'm going to skip around just a little bit, actually. But in Matthew chapter 2, um, I'm, I'm going to start there. If you do want to follow along, uh, we do have, if you have the YouVersion Bible app on your phone or mobile device, you can open that up. If you hit more in events, it'll, uh, it should automatically load um, the notes for today. Um, but you can also follow along on the screen. But in Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 and 2, it says, Now, after Jesus was born, 
born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, magi, many of, you, many of us know them as what? Wise men. Wise men from the east arrived in Jerusalem saying, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star in the east and we have come to worship him. This is one of the first, like the first time we hear worship mentioned in the New Testament. You know, one of the things I love the most about this, where we see the Magi, the wise men coming to worship Jesus, what I love is they're coming to see the king of the Jews, but they're not coming to get anything. They're coming to give. They're not expecting anything. We know that they come. What do they come to do? It says, we have come to worship him. They also brought gifts to him, right? They bowed before him. They didn't come to get anything. They came 1,000% to give to the king of the Jews. And here's the thing, guys. I think in our part of the world today, especially in America I think Christianity has been reduced to a formula. If I, if, I think that people believe that God exists for us. I think it's what the church has almost communicated today, that, that God exists for us. It's like if I do the right thing and I say the right prayer and act the right way, then God's obligated to give me what I want. He's a, He's a genie. We're not rubbing a, bi- a bottle, we're rubbing the Bible. And poof, he comes out. My wish is your command. Three wishes. What would you like? Many times I think that that's what we've reduced God to. We've made him into some sort of, of, of spiritual vending machine. We drop in our coins into the offering bucket. <laughs> And then we say a prayer or we read our devotion. And you got to take a picture of it along with your coffee cup and put it on Instagram because that's how spiritual I am. Here's my devotional this morning, right? No, no condemnation. <laughs> you do something nice. Don't flip anybody off this week. You know, put a little Christian fish on your bumper. Good to go, right? I'm a worshiper of Jesus. God's going to answer all my prayers. Why? Because he exists for me to make my life better. Everybody say, wrong. The reality is, this is not why God exists. He does not exist for us. We exist for him. We were created to glorify him, to bring him honor and to make him known. And honestly, I believe God wants more out of our, even our church family in regards to our heart and its position of worship before him. I'll tell you, there's a lot of things, there's a lot of things that the body of Christ does well. But I also believe that one of the greatest areas that we as the body of Christ could improve is learning that we're not worshipers just on Sunday. That we're worshipers all week long, seven days a week, 24 hours a day. We are worshipers of God. 
And here's the deal. Listen to me on this. If you don't hear anything else, I want you to hear this. I believe that if we got this right, everything else would fall in place. Every, we wouldn't even hardly need any other sermons. <laughs> if we simply became worshipers of God 24-7, if our life was a worship unto him every day, all day, we were communing with him in that way. I believe everything else will fall in place. Worship isn't something you do. A worshiper is who you are. We were all created. We were created to worship God with our lives from the very depths of our hearts. And so I'm praying that through this, God would build in us this desire to know him intimately and to worship him passionately with everything that we are. So what do you think of when I say worship? Well, I think in the American church today, many of us, again, we think of a church service where somebody's leading a song and everybody's singing and maybe everybody has their hands lifted up in the air. Now, how many of you didn't grow up in a church actually where hands were lifted? You, weren't, you didn't grow up in a hand-lifting church. How many of you remember the first time you walked into a hand-lifting church? It's like, what? In the, you might have grown up in a more traditional church. And, and that's all right. I, I've, got, I've got family that's, that's, that's Methodist. I mean, the only time you lift your hands, you know, in a Methodist church, you've got a question, you've got to go to the bathroom. I mean, it's like, for real. Now, I, I, love, I love Methodist. As a matter of fact, if you look at it, guys, the modern day, what we call the, the, the spirit-filled, even Pentecostal movement in the United States came through the Methodist church. Many don't, don't understand that, don't recognize that. Things have changed a bit. But guys, we love the Methodist Church. They're, they are the body of Christ. And, and again, we're a small group in the body of Christ along with them. We love the Lord and we walk together. But they're not generally hand. Now, you are seeing it more and more. If you notice worship, now when I say worship, I'm talking about worship music now. Worship music has bridged a lot of gaps in, in recent years. And you're seeing a lot more in the, the Baptist and the Methodist and Presbyterian churches where they're beginning to have more contemporary services and people are beginning to lift their hands and to worship the Lord together. And so it's not quite as uncommon as it used to be. But how many of you remember the first time that you walked into a church and you thought, this is weird? You didn't know, what to, you didn't know where to look. You didn't know if you're supposed to be watching somebody who's doing this. It's like somebody like making out in front of you. It's like, whoa, am I supposed to, where, where do I look? What, what, what do I do? You're, you're like, uh, am I supposed to, you know, you just don't know what in the world to do. Uh, they look passionate and serious. Uh, you know, I think they're for real. Weird. So let's start with something I think that people commonly link to worship today. Just starting off easy here this week. Why is it the Bible teaches us to lift holy hands to the Lord? And what are the benefits of such? Why, what does it accomplish? Now, first thing I want to say as we get going is um, if, if you're newer, you're, you've never really been part of a hand-raising church, there are all different types of hand-raises. How many of you have ever seen Tim Hawkins' instructional video on here? <laughs> Good, I'm going to show it right now. Those of you who have questions about hand-raising in the church today, uh, let's, let's watch this, this video right quick. And I know that each church has its own worship style, you know, which is cool. Some people are more expressive in worship, some people more subtle, and it's all good. Um, I go to a church that's pretty expressive in worship. It's... Um, it's a hand-raising church. That's what it is, right? That's what, you know. Anybody here go to a hand-raising church? Am I here? Sweet. Who here does not go to a hand-raising church? <laughs> I 
Some of you are trying, you're like, I can't. I want to, I need to get some momentum. Totally cool. But hey, if you're not used to going to a hand-raising church, you wanna go and join us, feel free to join us, but don't feel like you gotta join right in, okay? Start slow. We got a lot of different hand-raises that we use. We actually have names for our hand-raises. So I'm gonna walk you through real quick, okay, what they are, just to let you know. Say you're at my church, music is rocking. Start slow, hands in the pockets, little elbow flap, you're fine. Very subtle, get warmed up, get your heart rate up. When you're warmed up, start with the first one. Ready, carry the TV. Carry the TV, that's our first one. Very subtle. Go to big screen, big screen, a little wider. Next one's my fish was this big, my fish was this big. If you're a liar, you can go out there, that's fine, don't worry about it. Jesus loves you, Grace. Next one's hold my baby, hold my baby. Got dueling light bulbs, that's our next one, dueling light bulbs. We got goalpost, everybody knows goalpost. Throwing a heartburn, a lot of people like to do heartburn. Double heartburn, right back to goalpost. What's my favorite? Mufasa, Mufasa, that's my favorite. The circle of life. Tim, can you go higher? Yes, you can. You can take one hand, go a bunch of different stuff. Pointer, hatchet, schoolroom. Release the doves, give the Lord a high five, press it out. A lot of women like to wash the window, wash the window. And when you're comfortable there, go for the big three. Village people, Rocky, touchdown. There you go, there's your big three. All We're right. set. All right. So, <laughs> some of you have names for your, uh, for your hand lifting now. You were wondering what your style was, now you know. But I want to look into the word for just a few minutes and dig into uh, why it is, why, why it's important um, what we do with our hands as a really a reflection of what's in our hearts. And so um, I'm going to go to uh, Psalm chapter 63, and, and I am going to stick there for a few minutes. We're going to hit quite a few verses there. But in Psalm chapter 63, like many of the Psalms, David writes this, and he's in a tough place. I mean, I mean guys... I love the transparency of David, that, that he, he has no problem getting in there and complaining for a minute and telling what the issues are and crying out to God and saying, what in the world's happened in my life? And this is one of those moments where he's at this very low point in his life. And in, in Psalm 63, verse 1, he says, oh, God, you are my God. I shall seek you earnestly. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh yearns for you in a dry and weary land where there's no water. Now, you may be here today and you would say, well, you know what, I can kind of I can kind of relate with that because I feel like, I feel like in my life right now, I'm in, a, I'm in a dry and weary place where there's no water. And, and life, may feel, life may feel utterly dry to you and, and not seem to make sense. You may feel like you're in a desolate place. You might feel alone. You might even feel fearful. You might have even said, I never, I, I never thought my life would come to the place where I'm at today. I, I, this is not what I dreamed of. This is not what I imagined. And you find yourself kind of in the same place as David where you're crying out and going, I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm lost in this dry and weary place where there's no water. And so David's crying out and he's saying, God, I need you from, from the depths of my soul. I need you. And he's saying, I, I long for you. He's saying, there's nothing on earth that can satisfy me. He's saying that word we keep hearing this morning, I'm desperate for you. Next verse, verse 2, he says, thus, 
Another version says, but I have seen you in the sanctuary. I've seen your power and your glory. Because your loving kindness is better than life. Because your loving kindness is better than my circumstances. Because your loving kindness is is so much bigger than the mountain that I'm facing. My lips will praise you. He says, I can't stop praising you because you are so good, I must declare your praise. I've got to tell of your love. I've got to tell you that I need you. I've got to express to you continually that I long for you because you're that big, you're that powerful, you're that good, you're that faithful. Certainly more than I could ever earn or deserve, right? Verse 4, he says, so, so what am I going to do? So I will bless your name as long as I live and I will do what? I will lift up my hands in your name. Now, remember, David's in a bad place here. He's not lifting up his hands, praise the Lord, saying, I thank you because things are going so good. He's saying, I thank you because you are so good, even though my circumstances are awful. Even though things are tough, even though I don't understand what's happening right now, I lift my hands to you and I give you praise. It's an act of worship. What will I do? He said, I will lift my hands in your name because of who you are, giving you praise and glory. Now, guys, something I was thinking about. You cannot experience God's grace, truly experience God's grace without showing gratitude in some form or fashion. Okay, I found this on the web for God's grace without showing gratitude. Check it out. She's looking up more for me. Awesome. Guys, you cannot experience God's grace without showing gratitude in some form or fashion. When you truly understand who he is and what he's done for you, you will desperately want to express your love for him from the depths of your heart. First Timothy, in First Timothy chapter 2, Paul's writing to Timothy, and we know that Timothy at this point, he's a, he was a young guy. He was a, he's an up-and-coming pastor. And Paul writes to him, and he makes this statement in, in 1 Timothy 2.8, and, and it, it's regarding instructions to help Christians worship. And he says, I desire, therefore, that men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands, holy hands without wrath or doubting. Guys, the first thing it says here I find interesting. It says, I desire, therefore, that all who? Men. men. Pray and do what? Lift holy hands right? Now, here's the thing. Many times in scripture, when we see the word men or we see the word man, it's actually referring to mankind. It's referring to men and women, right? That's not the case right here. Very interesting that when you look at this, actually, when you look at the Greek, it's actually referring to males. Now, it doesn't mean that females aren't supposed to lift up holy hands to the Lord, okay? But Paul is specifically addressing men right here. And, and this is what, and, and, and look, I, I don't, 
I, I don't pretend to know exactly. I can't tell you 100% exactly why he said this, exactly why he was addressing men. But here's what I would tell you. I think based on my experience that many times it's easier for women to humble themselves and express their worship to the Lord and lift holy hands to him many times than it is for men. True? And I, I, don't know if, I don't know if it's, you know, necessarily, a, it's probably different for everybody, but maybe a, a pride thing, or maybe it feels awkward, or maybe it feels like kind of a, a girly thing, or, 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 you know, not something that men do, or whatever it may be. But for whatever reason, Paul says, I desire that men pray and lift up holy hands to God everywhere. I personally think that Paul here is teaching us as men to set the standard in our worship, in our lives. You know, the Bible, is, the Bible is very clear that the Lord, I know it's not a popular message today, but the Lord wants men to be leaders in their homes. It, 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 it's, it's, not a, it's not a macho thing. It's a huge responsibility. God's saying, you take responsibility and lead the way. Be the example. And I think that's part of what he's doing here. Children need to see their fathers seeking the heart of the father. Men, if you want your children to seek after God, you better be seeking after God, right? As a matter of fact, and, and we, we don't leave it up to mom. Now, hopefully she's worshiping the Lord too. But as men, we take responsibility for our family and we lead the way in worship. Uh, I, I've heard these stats before and I, and I saw our friend, uh, some of y'all know Brad Bowie. He's uh, president of um, Safe Harbor Mission that we support as a church. He posted this. I'd seen it before. I don't know what the source is, honestly, but I, I've heard it before. But this said that if, if a child, if a kid gets saved and, and gets on fire for God, that there's a 6% chance that the rest of the family will come to the Lord as well. So if a kid comes to Christ, 6% chance the rest of the house, household will get saved. If the mom comes to Christ and gets on fire for God, there's a 16% chance the rest of the family will come to Christ. If the dad comes to Christ and starts passionately following the Lord there is a 97% chance the rest of the household will get saved. Guys, don't let your wives out-worship you. <laughs> it's not a competition, right? Don't let your children out-worship you. Lead the way. Set the tone. Seek God and be the man after God's heart. And, and I'll just tell you all this now. At the end of service, here in a few minutes, I'm going to invite the team to come up. And we're going to do a, one more worship song. And I'm going to invite everybody to lift up their hands to the Lord. You, if you want to start with the, holding the TV, that's fine. <laughs> or the widescreen, that's fine. And some of you may have never done it before, but I encourage you as men, step out. And lead the way. Be the first one in your family to lift holy hands to God. Because Paul said, I, want, I desire to see the men lifting up holy hands. To set the standard before anybody else does as worshipers. Maybe you've never lifted hands, your hands to the Lord before. Well, why do we do this? Before we close, I'm going to give you four reasons why I believe that we lift our hands to the Lord. Number one, first and foremost, it's pleasing to God. It's pleasing I believe that as our father, he loves it. We're his children. Now, that was awesome dedicating baby Ava this morning. Loved it. 
Now, she kind of proved my point that I've made to you guys about small infants. I'm not about holding, having to hold little babies all the time because they spit up on me all the time and stuff. And I'm having to wear a towel and different things. They're a little bit more high maintenance when they're little like that. Now, some of you women, you got a, you got a baby radar. It gets within a 10-mile radius. And you're like, it's a baby, and you got to hold it. I'm like, cool, you can hold it until it becomes a toddler. Because I like toddlers. Toddlers are like, that's when they start getting fun. They also become a mess. You know, they also start getting into everything. But all of a sudden they start, you know, did they say Dada? You know, it's like, oh, they spoke. You know, and, they cut, and you walk into a room and they outstretch their arms and they come running to you, right? I like toddlers. That's when life starts to get fun. You begin to really have fun with your kids. But guys, can you imagine, can you imagine the heart of our father? There's no loving father on earth that would reject the outstretched arms of their child. And I believe our heavenly father is exactly the same way. I believe he loves it when we come to him and we lift up our hands to him. When our hands move toward him, I believe his heart moves toward us. James 4, 8, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. What do you do? Your, your little toddlers across the room, you walk in from work and, and maybe they can't even walk yet. They just can't really walk yet. But they see you walk in the room and they put up their hands with a smile. What are you going to do? You're going to walk over there and you're going to pick them up, right? And you're going to embrace them. And I believe that's what the father does. We lift up our hands to him. We draw near to him and he draws near to us. We draw near to the Father. We lift our hands. We're saying, God, I'm reaching out to you. I'm lifting my hands as an act of worship. As we draw near to him, he draws near to us. Amen? Amen. So we do it because it's pleasing to him. We lift our hands because it's pleasing to him and because he loves it. Secondly, we lift our hands, number two, as an offering of praise. Everybody say an offering. An offering. Isn't that just another part of the service? Isn't that, isn't that where we put money in the bucket? Isn't, isn't that the, the right thing there? An offering, yes. Actually, the Bible says that we can lift our hands as an offering just like you may put money into an offering. Lifting our hands is an offering to the Lord. And so going back again to Psalms, in Psalm 141, David again, David's in this tough place again. We find that. But guys, I love David though. In his transparency, it always starts off tough. But then he begins to declare God's faithfulness. Then he begins to declare God's praise. Love it. What an example for us. But in Psalm 141, verse 1, he says, Oh, Lord, I call upon you. Things are tough. I'm calling out. He's calling, Dad. Hasten to me. Come. Help. Give ear to my voice when I call. May my prayer be counted as incense before you. The lifting up of my hands as the evening offering." Some versions say lifting my hands as the evening sacrifice. Accept the lifting of my hands as a sacrifice of praise to you. Guys, again, you may be here today and you've never lifted your hands as an offering of praise to God before. And, and, and it may feel a little awkward at first if you've never done it before. And it may feel like that you're really stepping outside of your comfort zone just a little bit, but you just lift those things up in the air and you say, Lord, I'm offering my heart to you. Accept, as David said, accept my lifted hands as an offering, a sacrifice of praise 
unto you. You may not feel like praising him. You may not feel like lifting your hands to him. But we don't do it because of our circumstances are good. We do it because he's good. But because of who he is. Not because of how we feel. But because of who he is. So we lift our hands because he loves it. Because it's pleasing to him. We lift our hands because it's an offering of praise. Third thing I want to mention here. Number three. We lift our hands as a battle cry. As a battle cry. Now, that may be a reason that you lift your hand sometimes because how many of you know we're in a battle? We're in a battle and we need God's help. And right now you might be in a place where you're in a real battle, like a, a real battle. You may be, your life may be in a dark place and you may be wondering, you know, no, you may have in your mind, if things don't change, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow or the next day or whatever it may be because things are so tough right now because of this battle that you are in. That, what better time to lift your hands and say, I'm fighting a battle and I need my almighty God, my good father, to come to my aid and my assistance because I can't do this on my own. And we lean on him. We battle with hands lifted high. In Exodus chapter 17 uh, we are going to turn there, Exodus chapter 17, verse 10 here in just a minute. But in Exodus chapter 17, um, the, the Amalekites, keep, they, they keep attacking Israel. and They were sworn enemies of the people of God. And so finally Moses comes to Joshua and he says, choose some men. He said, it's time. We're going into battle. And, and he says, they've declared, declared war against us. We're going to push back. And so, so he says, Moses says, tomorrow uh, I'm going to go up on top of the mountain and, uh, and, and I'm going to lift my hands to the Lord, and I'm going to pray as we battle the Amalekites. So in verse 10, it says, Joshua did as Moses told him. He selected some men and fought against Amalek. And Moses, Aaron, and Hur went up on top of the hill. So it came about when Moses held his hands up, what happened? Israel prevailed. But when he let his hands down, Amalek prevailed. So when he lifted his hands, Israel was winning. When he lowered them, the Amalekites were winning. What is lifting your hands? What does that recognize? They were recognizing with that hands uplifted was acknowledging reliance on God, that the battle is his. Hands went down. They were losing. So, again, you may be here and you may recognize that you are in a battle, and it feels like you're losing. And I would tell you, it's time to lift up your hands and begin to make declarations to God, to say, Lord, on my own, I recognize I don't have the ability to overcome this situation. I can't do this without you, but I lift my hands to you. In spite of what I see and hear and in spite of what I feel, I'm going to continue to praise you. I lift my hands to you and in the declaration that the battle belongs to you. I lift up my hands, declare by faith that you're fighting for me. The greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. That no weapon formed against me can prosper. That you have plans to bless me. What do I do? I lift up my hands. What's really interesting is in verse 12, Moses gets tired and worn down, right? How many of you have been tired and worn down before? Can believers be tired and worn down? Yes. Moses, the most humble man who ever lived, right? Lifting his hands to the Lord, he gets tired and his arms drop. In verse 12, but Moses' hands were heavy. 
And they took a stone and put it under him and he sat on it. And Aaron and Hur supported his hands, one on one side and one on the other. Thus his hands were steady until the sun set. So Joshua overwhelmed Amalek and his people with the edge of a sword. Guys, I've got people in my life, some of you, that hold up my hands when I'm tired and when I'm weary, when I'm discouraged, when I want to give up. My wife, my parents, different ones around that hold up my hands when I'm weary and tired and don't know if I can make it another moment. I don't know if I can go on. That have always been there, that will always continue to, that have stood in prayer, have been there when I'm battling, stood there when others wouldn't or didn't, believed the best when even I wasn't sure if I did. How many of you know that we all need that in our lives? That's part of the reason the church of Jesus gathering together matters so much. Guys, I love that we have a live stream, and I, I love that you guys are watching together with us from wherever you may be, but you need people to gather with on a very, very regular basis. You can't get it in front of a computer screen. You hear a good message, you can be encouraged in the Lord. But we need one another because we need to be able to come around each other and help hold up each other's arms. That's my prayer, is that if you're here and you're part of the Harvest family, that, that you're connected into a community group and you've got people around you, that when you're weary, recognize it and come grab your arms and help you to hold them up high. Acknowledging reliance on God. How many of you know we all need an Aaron and a Her in our life? You may be in a battle. It's time to lift your hands and say, God, I need you. Why? Because when we lift our hands, it pleases him. He loves it. When we lift our hands, it's an offering of praise. When we lift our hands, it's a battle cry. I have one more. One more thing. Think about this. Throughout history, the lifting, the raising of the hands has generally always throughout history represented two things. Number one is victory. True? Some of you have been, you, you, you had a Memphis Grizzlies game and it comes down to the wire in the last few seconds and you recognize there's two seconds on the clock and you're like, we're going to win. We're going to win. And what do you do when that clock hits zero? All them hands go in the air. It's like, we right? Uplifted hands has represented victory for a very long time. What's the other thing it represents? Somebody points a gun at you. What do you do? Hey, yo, bro. Take whatever you want. I surrender. I'm not going to fight you. You got a gun, right? Guys, I would say to you, I'd present to you that in the kingdom of God, the uplifted hands mean both. At the moment you surrender to him, you find victory in him. And we don't surrender because he points a gun at us or forces us to. We do it willingly out of love. Because we recognize his faithfulness. We recognize Jesus gave his life for us. And so that's my last thing I want to mention there. We lift our hands because it represents not only our surrender, but it represents our victory. In the moment that you surrender to him, you find victory in him in this life and beyond. These are some of the reasons that we lift our hands. And let me say this. If you think I'm talking about, I I know, like I say, we're going to have one more worship song here in just a moment. 
If you think I'm just talking about during church, again, that's that much of it. I'm talking about living a life of uplifted hands. I'm talking about living a life with, an, with uplifted hands in our heart all day, every day. In victory, in surrender. Why? Because he loves it. Because it's a battle cry. As we lift up our hands as a posture of our heart, as a reflection of what's inside. We recognize how good our God is. And we truly experience his grace. When you truly understand what he did, you can't help but lift your hands to him and give him praise. It's a posture of our heart. We'll talk more about that later. I do invite the worship team to come up. And they're going to lead us in song. And guys, we're all, we're all going to sing together. We're going to lift up our voices and declare who God is. And listen to me. It doesn't matter if you're part of the Harvest family. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you're here in person. It doesn't matter if you're watching online. You may be at Rolling Hills with us this morning. I want us to all stand up together. Let's all stand up on our feet. Guys, we're going to lift up our voice and we're going to sing. And as God's children, I'd love to see us all lift our hands to him. Like I say, you can start holding the TV if you want. Even the arm flap if you want. It's okay. Start somewhere. Do something that you haven't done. Oh, Lord, this song. As you reach out to him, he reaches out to you.
Holy Spirit, do a work in their heart. Do a work in their life. And Lord, for all of us, that worship would not be something that we do. Worshipers would be who we are. Worship would be the life that we live. I'd ask you today, are you a worshiper? Do you worship a little here and a little there? Or do you worship him seven days a week in everything that you do? It's time to acknowledge him in every area of our lives. Everything we put our hand to, we do it as a worship unto him.
Guys, I... Just tell the Lord right now. Just close your eyes for just a moment. Just tell him, Lord, I want my heart to grow even more toward you. That I might be one who lifts my hands to you and even more. Not just in church, because I cannot not respond to your love and to your mercy and to your grace. If you're here and you would say, I wanna deepen my passion and my heart for worship, just lift your hands up. Say, I want a deeper heart for worship. I want more passion and desire for worship than I've ever had before. Just lift your hands to them. Leave them up for just a moment. Lord, I thank you that we are a church family that loves to lift our hands and sing your praise, bring you honor, and to bring you glory. I thank you, Lord, that you are pleased with our praise. You're pleased with our worship. Individually and even corporately, may our hearts turn towards you like never before. May our heart beat to worship you with every breath that we breathe, with everything that we do. Lord, I pray for those that are going through battles right now. Their uplifted hands now are more a battle cry. I thank you, Lord, that right now, with hands lifted high, they're declaring that the battle belongs to the Lord. They're done fighting in their own strength, and they're laying this thing down at your feet and saying, I surrender, and through my surrender, I have victory in you. I'm declaring that your goodness is better than life. And anything that I may experience, you're so much bigger. You're so much better. God, surround them with people. Surround each of us with people that will help to hold up our arms. When we get weary, when we get tired, when we get discouraged, when we get fearful, when we begin to be weak. Surround us with people to help uplift our arms as we help uphold the arms of others around us in Jesus' name, acknowledging you in all of our ways. Lord, give us strength to depend on you. Our hearts are surrendered. They belong to you, God. As we lift up our hands, Lord, it's an act of worship. It's an offering. It's a sacrifice of praise. It's a battle cry. It's surrender. It's victory. Put your hands down for just a moment. Your head's bowed. If there's anybody here today and you would recognize that you have not said yes to Jesus, you have not had a moment in your life where you stopped and you made the decision to surrender your life to him, that's your first step. It's not just about believing in God. I heard many people say, the devil believes in God, <laughs> but he's not God's child. It's not about believing in them. It's about surrendering your heart to them. It's about repentance, recognizing that you are lost and dead in your sin. We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But we come to the place where we humble ourselves and we recognize that. 
We repent. Repent doesn't just mean to say, I'm sorry. It means to lay those things down that are displeasing to him and to turn away from them, to fix our eyes on Jesus and to follow him without turning back. No turning back, no looking back. All out, following Jesus. We put our reliance on him. We believe that he's the son of God, the lamb of God whose blood was shed to redeem your sin, to pay a debt that you could never repay. But he was sinless and he couldn't stay in that grave. And the Bible says that he conquered death, hell, and the grave. He overcame the worst sin, the shame that you have in your life. He overcame it all. And he rose and he's seated at the right hand of the Father. And he's beckoning you to come. You need to say yes to Jesus today. If you're here and you recognize your heart is not surrendered, that you're not living your life for Jesus, you're living your life for yourself. And you would say today, I need to make a change. Anybody here, just lift up your hand and say, I need Jesus today. Okay, awesome. Anybody else would say, I need Jesus. Maybe you're watching on the live stream. Guys, it doesn't matter where you are. It doesn't matter if you're watching today. The Holy Spirit is there and he's the one that's drawing you and that's why you feel what you're feeling inside right now. Jesus is knocking at the door of your heart. I plead with you, say yes to him today. It's the best decision you'll ever make. And let me tell you, even non-believers generally know John 3.16. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Guys, everlasting life does not start the day you die here on earth. It starts the day you surrender your life to Jesus. You will have new life right here on earth. Yes, things will still be hard sometimes, but you'll have a good father walking along beside of you. And you can turn all the time with your hands lifted high and he picks you up even when you fall. And he'll fight your battles. We're gonna pray a prayer together before we close. If you lifted your hand or even if you didn't and you recognize that your heart is not surrendered to Jesus, you can pray along with me. You can say what I say. You can pray your own prayer to him. It's about the position of your heart. It's about a heart of surrender and repentance. Just say something like this. Say, Heavenly Father, I recognize I'm lost and dead in my sin. I'm utterly bankrupt on my own. But today, I thank you for Jesus, the spotless Lamb of God, the Son of God, who loved me so much. that he put on human flesh and he came into this world with the sole purpose of dying for me, paying the price that I couldn't pay. So today I repent. I turn from my sinful ways and Jesus, I fix my eyes on you. I believe that you're the son of God. I believe that you willingly laid down your life for me. Today I ask you to be my Lord and to be my Savior. I believe that you rose from the dead. And I want to be seated with you in heavenly places. Make me a new creation. Make me brand new. In Jesus' name. And just say, Holy Spirit, fill me and empower me. Be everything you called me to be. I'll follow you to the end. No turning back. In Jesus' name. 
If you'd like to get more information about resources from Church of the Harvest, please check out our website at midsouthharvest.org. You may also contact us by phone at 662-890-1573 or toll free at 866-383-8277. You are Lord, I'm a sinner.